It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, during this time of year, a variety of new people are moving to the area, uh, trying to find a church and get settled. And we would encourage you to do that um, as soon as possible, whether it's this church and other church who believes in Jesus. Uh, I want to kind of give you a quick overview of what we're about. It may be kind of, you can wonder, what is this church about? Well, we like to speak in terms of uh, our ethos. When I say ethos, I mean who we are and who we want to become. And so I mean, we have these five statements that we generally use to kind of explain what's going on in our hearts and our minds that we want to live. And so maybe you can track with this. And if you can't track with it, we got pictures. Maybe that will help as well. And so I want to kind of just run you through our five ethos statements. The first one's humble orthodoxy, which basically means this. We believe the Bible without an attitude. You know, a lot of times people can believe the Bible, but they, they're kind of annoying. So we believe the Bible, and we try not to be annoying. We want to hold God's truth humbly, be rooted, anchored in his word, and live that out. The second ethos statement we have is one of abiding worship. It's the idea that we abide in Jesus. We have this all-of-life worship, not just here on Sunday morning. We, have, uh, he, we, we, we abide in the vine. We abide fruit. You'll see fruit coming out of us of love and good works by his grace. We have this abiding worship. The next is missional community. Uh, this is a grid of a city, Evanston, as we go out, as we come in together. So we go out together. The idea is we are on mission together. And together we are on mission in what we do in our service, in our gospel proclamation. We do it together in community. It's just not a community that terminates on itself, but it's a missional community. The next one's my favorite one is Invest as Sojourner. As many of you are coming from the four corners of the earth, so to speak, you're moving to the Evanston area, you're coming into the center here, we want you to invest while you're here in Evanston. We want to equip you and encourage you as you leave, because most of you will leave, whether you're students or not. Most move from the Evanston area to different parts of the world, and we want you to invest wherever you go. So you invest at Sojourner. And the last one is the concept of pervasive uh, gospel. Uh, we have the image of the sound waves or the ripples of water as we want the gospel to pervade us as a people, as individuals. We want this gospel to pervade Evanston, Chicago, and the world. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at, a little closer look at this pervasive gospel because it just happens to come up in the text we're looking at this morning because this whole last year we have been going through the book of Romans. Typically what we do on Sunday morning, we just kind of go through books and right now we're at a point of Romans that, has, that brings up this concept of the pervasive gospel. So if you have a Bible, you're going to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15 is what we're going to look at this morning. Romans 15 verses 14 through 21. So I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. If you wouldn't mind, we'll go ahead and stand. And I'll read the word of God to you. Romans 15 starting in verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. So the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what God, Christ has accomplished through me 
to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Let me have a seat. The culture we want to see is one of a pervasive gospel, which means that we believe Jesus. We believe that Jesus has invaded this world on this rescue mission. He lived this perfect life, died upon the cross, was buried. Three days later, he rose again. And those who repent and put their faith in Jesus can be reconciled to the Father and live for his kingdom, for his glory forever. It's the gospel that we want to believe, that we want to say is legit and believe it and we want it to bust out from among us so God's love can go out to others. We want to be like Paul. As he says in verse 20, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. It should be our ambition to not just stand up here and preach the gospel, but it means he makes it his ambition to tell others about Jesus, to proclaim this good news of God invading this earth, the gospel of God, through Jesus Christ. He makes it his ambition to preach the gospel, and so we want to make it our ambition that God loves us and others so much that he has sent his son Jesus to die for people, that through repentance and faith they can be reconciled. And so we want to have this ambition to preach the gospel. And just to put it to you straight up, we want to have this uh, hmm, evangelistic fervor and zeal. Now, I know it's not cool these days to evangelize. Sometimes even in the church, the concept of evangelism seems kind of like, ugh, do, do we have to talk about that? I mean, because you've got to admit, we live in a pretty cool area, Right? There's an article out this week in Crane's Business with the concept that, that Evanston is a hip place to live. And so if you live in Evanston, you are hip, all right? And the, the, the article talks about the cool restaurants, the cool atmosphere here in Evanston. It is the place to be. So now we introduce this concept of evangelism in Evanston. And you think, well, that is not hip. <laughs> that is not cool. I mean, maybe if you're down from down south in Texas like myself, you may say evangelism sort of cool. But up here in Evanston, it's not so cool. And so what do you do when you're in a very cool and hip environment and you have this concept of first not being a Christian is not very cool and then you want to tell someone else about it? That's totally uncool. So what do you do when you come into this environment? Well, one of your temptations will be is to do nothing, is to not share your faith. And to just focus on those things that the culture can agree with and affirm, like, let's say, justice and mercy. Are justice and mercy biblical values? Absolutely. Should we be doing those? Absolutely. Would people in Evanston agree for the most part with justice and mercy? For the most part, yes. And so we think, okay, let's focus just on justice and mercy. My brothers and sisters... We should absolutely focus on justice and mercy. But if we are going to leave out evangelism, we're telling people we're going to help you 
to overcome a variety of obstacles. And we're going to help you with your needs, which we should. But when it comes to giving you something that you can live forever with God, that you can have an abundant life in Jesus, we're going to stop short of giving that to you because it's not hip. It's not cool. I don't want to encroach upon your rights. So we'll do the justice, we'll do the mercy, and then when it comes to sharing the gospel, we fall short. There's a book out there these days that I've read. It's called The Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler. And he says this about the dangers of losing evangelism. He says, if we lose evangelism, we may as well be the Peace Corps. Helping people in the here and now, but not giving two cents if they go to hell. Now, I know that concept that, wow, you mean to tell me that people would actually go to hell if they don't trust in Jesus Christ? Even that concept is, really? Once again, we try to have a humble orthodoxy. Believe what the Word teaches without the attitude. So as we share God's love with others, we tell them the truth in Jesus Christ, tell them about heaven and hell without the attitude. And so that's the atmosphere we want to cultivate here, an atmosphere of evangelistic zeal, even when it's not hip or cool, because it's God's love going and directing toward people who do not know him so they can be reconciled to him through Jesus. Now, before we jump in, I do realize that there are many of you in the life circumstances you have right now, you have pain, you have suffering, you have difficulties. And the last thing you want to hear on Sunday morning is about how you need to tell people about Jesus. And I want to just tell you this. If you're suffering and in pain right now, problems in your relationships, problems in your body, you are in a prime spot to be used by God to share the gospel with others. Because it is in our weakness and is in our suffering that God will use us to speak the truth of his love to someone else, and they may say, you know what? If you're embracing Jesus with all the junk you're going through, there seems to be some validity and truth to what you're saying. So if you're broken this morning, the last thing you want to hear about this morning is evangelism. Oh, my goodness, you're in a good spot to be used by God. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through this passage, what we typically do, and we're going to see Paul hit on a variety of things, and I'm just trying to keep it organized for you. And so we're going to have like these six ideas, six points of, of what Paul is saying with regard to the gospel as he is communicating to this church at Rome. And the first idea is the idea of gospel atmosphere. Let's go ahead and look at Romans 15, starting in verse 14, the idea of gospel atmosphere. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder. I like the church in Rome because a lot of the churches that Paul wrote to, they had some big issues. The church in Rome doesn't have the major issues. They got some Jew and Gentile tensions going on there. But on a whole, they pretty much got it together. And so Paul is writing to stir them up. And he says, you know what? I'm satisfied about you. You're full of goodness. You're filled with all knowledge. You're, you're rooted in God's word. You're instructing one another. They're building one another up in Jesus. There's a good atmosphere within the church at Rome. They have this gospel atmosphere where they are encouraging one another to stay in Jesus. And they're also a church that has seen the gospel expand from there. So there's, there's just a good ethos 
The Church of Rome would be a good ethos for us to embrace. It's an ethos that embraces and lives in the gospel. And I believe, my brothers and sisters, that if we are a church that truly believes Jesus and truly wants to live in the gospel and see it uh, span out to others, I believe that our times together should be lively and weighty. On Sunday morning when we get together, this should be a time that's kind of lively and yet weighty. When we get together in our ethos communities, it should be lively and weighty. Let me, let me explain it like, like this. I don't know if you've ever heard of, of the Federal Reserve. It's probably the last place you'd ever think seems lively, okay? But, but the Federal Reserve holds these meetings, and they're trying to determine the actions they're going to take to spur the economy. Some pretty exciting stuff. But it, the, the, the decisions they make have this impact on our nation and on the world. And, and when they get together, and they do periodically, I guarantee you their, their discussions are lively because it's, it's very, very important. So they, they, they want to express their opinions and bring all their knowledge to the table. And yet their discussions are very, very weighty because the decisions they make at those meetings have, have an impact on our nation and our world. Now, if that's what the Federal Reserve can be lively and weighty in their meetings, just think about us. We're talking about matters of eternal value. We're talking about whether people live forever with Jesus or not. When we get together, we should be passionate about what we're talking about and realize that this is some deep stuff, which means that we really, truly want to believe Jesus so much so that we're going to cultivate this atmosphere that says, you know what? We believe Jesus so much, and we take him so serious that we are willing to die. We're willing to die for our faith. Our brothers and sisters, many in Iraq right now, are facing that same tension as they are rooted in the gospel of Jesus and many of them being threatened with their lives. Maybe you've seen this in the news. I'll I'll put it up for you. It's the convert to Islam or die, which is happening in certain parts of Iraq right now as there's a movement of extremists going across and and persecuting the Christians. And if you've been watching the news, you know that some of our brothers and sisters are losing their heads. This is no joke. Can you imagine? Convert to Islam or die. Go ahead, kill me. Like, how serious are you about Jesus? Your church really believe Jesus, right? Convert or die. And we go, well, yeah, we're in heavens to know. Can you imagine they're about to see God? And, and who, who, care, who are you? Who, why should I be scared of you? I'm about to see God and so kill me. I, just that atmosphere that's cultivated among our brothers and sisters who we should continue to pray for. That atmosphere, I want to see that we believe in the same Jesus. Can you imagine? We're not going to share Jesus because it's not hip. (laughs) And Iraq's like, well, if we share Jesus, we're going to die. Are we really serious about what we believe? What's our atmosphere here? Paul and the church in Rome are pretty serious about Jesus. And they're cultivating this gospel atmosphere. And as we move on to the next part, we, we see there's not just an atmosphere. Paul has a specific calling. Look at verse 15. He says, 
But on some points, even though they got it all together, he says, but on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. So Paul has this specific call on his life to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. One loose translation has the idea that this is a a highly focused assignment. Paul, of course, would preach to the Jews, but his main thing is, I'm going to go after the Gentiles, those who've never heard, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And you'll hear missionaries talk like this. They have a specific calling to go to certain tribes, people groups, areas. Yesterday, a couple of our church members had a wedding, and at their wedding was several uh, of our former members and current members who are on the mission field. They're out there proclaiming the gospel in places like China or the, the Middle East or Africa. That they feel this specific call or burden to take the gospel to a certain people group no matter what. In fact, there's, there's one member of our church who's about to leave. He's been there before and he's going back to a certain place in Africa. And the village he's going to in Africa is the village where the last outbreak of Ebola was. You know the Ebola virus is killing uh, hundreds of people over there right now? Well, the village he's going to is the, where the last outbreak was, I think a couple of years ago. And he was, telling, he was telling me that not only, uh, it's, it's not there right now, but he's also told me, yeah, I'm, the team I'm going with, we, we were kicked out of the country. We left the country uh, a few weeks back because of some tribal unrest. I mean, can, can you imagine going home and tell your mom and dad, you know, I'm going to go to this place where Ebola used to be, and there's some tribal unrest, and we may, I might, I might get sick, I might die, but I'm going. And like, why would you do that? If you've been paying attention to the Twitterverse or uh, online this week, there's been a lot of negative reaction from some wackos uh, with regard to the missionaries over there caring for Ebola patients, right? Have you been seeing all that? Just some wackos saying, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because there is this gospel call to specifically proclaim Jesus And here are people, some of them in our own midst, going out there because they feel this burden to share Jesus with others and to proclaim the gospel. And I know that most of us are left here in Evanston, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But even if those of us who are left here in the Chicago area have a burden and a concern for the people in the circles we run in. Some of you are nurses. You care for nurses coming to Jesus. Some of you are athletes. You want to see athletes come to Jesus. Some of you are artists. You want to see artists come to Jesus. Because these are the circles you run in. Now, what I don't want you to do, my brothers and sisters, I don't want you to say, you know what? I'm an athlete, so I want my church to start a program for athletes. Or I'm an artist. If my church would just get a program for artists, then we could really reach artists. Oh, my brothers and sisters, come on. Those are the people you hang with. Those are the circles you run in. God has put a burden and a calling upon your life. Don't wait for me. Don't wait for our church to create some program. Start sharing the gospel and loving these people. God put you there for a purpose. Whether you look at it this way or not, there is a calling upon your life. You're there. You're going to see them tomorrow. You have a call upon your life to share Jesus with them. So you have this atmosphere 
The church is pumped up about Jesus. You have this calling. Where are you going to go to share Jesus in your circle? But the next issue is motivation. What is going to be your motivation to share Jesus? I know one motivation. I went to seminary to learn this motivation, and it's called guilt. I have a degree in guilting you to do stuff. So if I can make you feel bad enough about the way you don't evangelize, and for the most part, most of you are stinky at evangelism, including myself. And so if we can feel bad enough today, maybe tomorrow or this week, we might consider sharing Jesus if we feel bad enough. That's not going to work. It doesn't last, right? So give me some motivation that will last. The Word of God does, and it's a motivation of worship. Check this out. This is really, really cool. Of worship. Look at verse 16. Paul says, To be a minister of Christ Jesus, to the Gentiles, in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Now, stick here. This may be a little confusing. So Paul says, Okay, my preaching is among the Gentiles like a priest. So in the Old Testament, priests would be involved in these sacrifices of animals. And Paul's like, now I am the priest that preaches a sacrifice, but now is the sacrifice of Jesus. So he preaches the sacrifice of Jesus to the Gentiles. They get saved. They're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And now Paul presents them acceptable to God. So it's through Paul's priestly service that he sees telling Gentiles about Jesus, getting them saved, offering them up to God, for Paul is a form of worship. And then there's you. The Bible calls uh, believers uh, priesthood of believers. That you're a priest. And that when you're going out and presenting the gospel to others and sharing the good news of Jesus, in a sense, you're like Paul. You're talking about the sacrifice of Jesus and you're offering people up who convert as, as worship, as fragrant offerings to the Lord. And so I guess I could guilt you all day into evangelism, but that's, that, that, I don't think that lasts. But how about evangelism as worship? Evangelism as worship. May this be pleasing in your sight, oh my Lord. So you have this atmosphere in this Roman church. You have this calling upon Paul and the rest of us and this worship. So if we got the motivation, now we need the power. This is the one I often forget, this gospel power. Look at verse 17 and 18. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Do you, do you ever talk like that? I'm, I'm proud of my work for God. I don't talk like that. Who talks like that? Paul talks like that. But he says, I talk like that because it's the work that God has accomplished through me. So Paul's like, I'm doing the work which I'm proud of, but it's actually God is the one who is doing it through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to talk about anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, through power, power of signs and wonders, power of the Spirit of God. So Paul's preaching the gospel and miracles and spirits breaking out. People are getting saved and there's these 
awesome things and just miracles happening. And you're reading this in 2014, you're like, man, what's up with the signs and wonders today? You know, what's up with the, the miracles today? Do, do miracles still happen? They don't happen? I don't know. Do they happen? And, and, and Christians are divided and get hostile to one another. And, and, and some will say, no, the miracles were just there to confirm this apostolic authority. So they've, they've passed off the scene and others have other opinions. And so let me just give you my thoughts on these, these matters of miracles. <laughs> the context here, is evangelism. It's not about whether God still does miracles or not. It's the context of evangelism. Does Evanston Bible Fellowship believe that God still does miracles? Uh, yeah. That's why we pray for healing. Can you imagine us praying for you but not actually believing God's going to heal you? So that's not the issue whether we believe in miracles. But the context here is evangelism. In the evangelism of the other early church, there seems to be this special moving of the Spirit to authenticate the message that many of us do not experience today. Maybe some of you do, but most of you probably don't. All I know is that if I'm sharing the gospel, I should be expecting God to move by the power of the Spirit. Maybe giving me boldness, opening someone's heart. Maybe God wants to do a miracle. I don't know. Whatever we bring from the early church, we better not leave away the Spirit of God and the power to work through our evangelism. And this is the part that I miss so much because I can be sharing the gospel with someone and I can be telling them about Jesus and in my mind I'm thinking, this is never going to work, this is never going to work, this is never going to work. They are clueless, I am clueless. I had two recent conversations when I was telling people about Jesus. One was a guy here in Evanston, uh, I was speaking to him, and he was quoting uh, DC Talk. I don't know why he was quoting DC Talk, but he was quoting DC Talk as an old Christian band, and he was explaining to me how he doesn't want to believe, and he's never going to believe, and he's happy with his life. And I was thinking, what am, what am I going to say here? I was getting kind of discouraged. And then I was talking to uh, a woman a couple of days later about Jesus and she was mixing and matching a variety of religions and, and putting something together and I was getting so discouraged and I'm thinking, man, she's never going to believe. And so if you share your faith, there will be seasons of discouragement. But what you have to remember is that it's not about just you. How did you get saved? Did you just wise up all of a sudden and figure things out? No, the Spirit of God invaded in your life and awakened you. That's what we must expect as we talk to other people about Jesus. That the Spirit of God will give us power to proclaim it boldly, and maybe by His grace He's going to awaken them. But if it's just a man-on-man -man or woman-on-woman -woman conversation where the Spirit of God is totally absent, we should expect nothing. Paul had this great expectation of the Spirit of God moving and I think we should as well. Well, let's start to finish up here. And not only the power, but he also had this vision, this gospel vision. Look at verse 19. It's a big vision. Oh, my goodness. He says, So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. That is unbelievable what he would just say. I mean, you just read that, like, whatever. But... Do you understand what he just said? 
This is an enormous vision. He's saying that he has shared the gospel, planted churches from the borders of Jerusalem to Illyricum. Now, Illyricum is around modern-day Albania. This is an area of about 1,400 miles. So he is saying in his mind that he has accomplished the vision of sharing the gospel in a 1,400-mile span. He says, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He'll say in verse 23, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. Are, are you getting that? He says, well, I guess I'm done here. <laughs> the gospel has gone out. Those who've not been told, not every single person, but it's, it's now permeated this region. I will now be moving on. Can you imagine having such a huge God-sized vision of proclaiming the gospel? This is one man who's saying this. And I think it's okay to have these big goals of seeing people come to Jesus. When you're in college, um, you, some people may say you're naive enough to have these big goals. I mean, many of our college students will go away on these projects or mission trips, and they'll be so fired up, and they'll have these huge visions, like today we're going to share Jesus with like a thousand people. Or today and this week we're going to share Jesus with 5,000 people. And, and we hear those stories and the adults in the room may go, just roll your eyes. Oh, that's ridiculous. Who's going to do that? You may roll your eyes. Oh, I'm so busy I can't even wash my clothes. Because yeah. you're so busy, right? I mean, I don't understand what happens that once you graduate from college, your vision and zeal must totally tank. That happen to anybody? College years, you're walking with Jesus, you're on fire. After your college, psh, tank. Why is that? My brothers and sisters, we can still have these God-sized visions and goals where I can say, okay, my street, I claim my block for Jesus. I wanted them all to hear. My condo, the whole building, I want them all to hear about Jesus. My apartment complex, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray every single person. I have this vision. I want them all to hear about Jesus. Let's, let's bring back these God-sized visions of seeing and he, people hear about Jesus. And the last one is this idea of ambition. We'll finish up with this in verse 20. Paul says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written... Those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So his vision, his ambition is to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, which means he wants to take Jesus to those who've never heard of him. He wants to take Jesus to those regions where they've never heard of Jesus. And some of you here have that vision. I, I've talked to some of you. You are going to those places on the earth where they've never heard of Jesus. And you're proclaiming the gospel. And we are totally with you. We want to encourage you. We want to give you money. We want to give you support. We want you to go and proclaim the name of Jesus where people have never heard. But I just want you to know that when you have conversations with me, I'm going to be a little bummed. I'm going to be a little bummed because I can't go with you. For a variety of reasons, God has called me here to Evanston. 
And when I hear about you going off and all around the world, invading those areas of Jesus that people have never heard, I get a little bummed. I get excited for you, sad for me sometimes, right? And so I'm like, man, I wish I could go and proclaim Jesus to those people who've never heard. I want to go with you. And I get so, I, I get excited and bummed at the same time. And so, but I, so I just try to cultivate my kids. Maybe my kids will all go one day. Yeah, they'll go do it, right? So I try to cultivate that heart within them. Like, come on, kids, go. Go do it one day if they want to, if they're called by God. And so I, 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 and we do these things in family worship. And from time to time, we'll watch these, these, these DVDs called Dispatches to the Front. Do we even have that, that? No, we don't have that. Dispatches from the Front. Yeah, this is the DVD set. Awesome. It's about the gospel spreading into different parts of the world and going to those parts where no one's ever heard of Jesus. So cool, encouraging stories. Well, I, I've, I don't know if I've told you. I may have told you the story before. Well, one night, we were watching this, this DVD with the family uh, on India. And man, it was awesome about these guys and girls just going all over India, proclaiming the gospel where people have never heard Jesus. And they were, was, it was so awesome. But once again... I was bummed. <laughs> I was like, well, that's awesome, but I'm bummed because I want to do that. And so I, I go outside. I'm in, I'm in my front yard, kind of <laughs> <kinda> discouraged. <laughs> I'm, I, live in, I live in Skokie. I'm like, oh, man, I'm in Skokie. And so I'm in the front yard with my kids. <laughs> They're out there playing around with the other kids. And uh, this is, I've, I think I've told something. This is no joke. So I'm playing in the front, and across the street, across the street, this woman is walking her baby, right? I think like in a stroller or something. Never seen her before in my life. And my wife and I are like, hey, what's going on? And it's like we had this connection like, hey. And so she came on over. Never met her before in our life. And we're talking to her and we're just trying to encourage her. Oh, you're new. This is great. And I said, where are you from? You know where this is going? Yeah. She said, I'm from India. I said, yeah. So, so it's like, wow. So here's what's funny. I've never seen the woman before ever again. Never. I've never. I said, I just moved there. Where are you? Never seen her before ever. It must have been an angel. I don't know. God brought this person to encourage me, I think. Like, look, Jason, you don't have to be exploding all around the world. Let's, let other people that are called to go do that, right? But where you're at... Open your eyes, man. So I say that to you. Open your eyes. Get a vision to what's around you. Don't be thinking about what you can't do or who you're missing out on or who you can't talk to. Who is around you? Get a vision of sharing the gospel and have an ambition to see others come to Jesus. And so what we're going to do with this church is we're going to continue to spur one another on and we're going to get this atmosphere of pointing one another to Christ. We're going to stir one another up to try to get you to recognize your calling, who are the people you run with in your circles, to give you some motivation, not guilt, motivation of worship. We're going to encourage you to open your mouth, let the power of God be using you and give you a vision and an ambition to preach Jesus. So what are we going to do? All right, so this is, this is what we're going to do. All right, this is going to be really, really complicated. All I want you to do, we're not going to start a class. We're not going to start a meeting. We're not going to do any of that. We're going to put the bar really, really low. I want to encourage you to do this. This week, from right now 
ask God for one person that you can just tell about Jesus. Ask God for just one person. Say, God, just give me one person I can share your love with, and then when that situation comes up, God, make me bold to do something about it. That's it. God, give me one person to share your love with, and when the situation comes up, make me bold to do something about it. That simple. We don't need any complex evangelism strategies. It's that simple. I was listening to a woman from Albania, and she was giving me the, the evangelicals in Albania. They have, this, is, this is their method of evangelism. It goes like this. It's, it's three steps. If you want to write this down, it's really complex. Here's the three steps. Pray, meet people, tell them about Jesus. There's the book. There's the course. Pray, meet people, tell them about Jesus. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. So let's start with the first part right now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your gospel has invaded us. And whether it's cool or hip to share Jesus with others right now, it's, it's your love. And Lord, I don't want to pray for my brothers and sisters. I want this to be their own prayer. And so I'm just going to kind of pause in my prayer right now. And if, if you're sitting there right now and you have a heart for people to know Jesus, I'm going to ask that right now that you would ask God to let you speak to one person this week, give you an opportunity, and be bold to do it. So right now, tell God in, in silence from your heart, God, give me someone to talk to this week. And make me bold to do it. Just pray that simple prayer right now. I'll be quiet so you can pray to God silently. Lord, will you please show us who we're to speak to this week, that you would give us the opportunity and then you would make us bold to open our mouths. And may we come back next week with testimonies, testimonies of the opportunities, testimonies of people coming to Jesus, testimonies of people thinking about it, dialoguing further. But may we speak your truth with boldness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.